Have you ever been crippled by negative emotions? Do you have loved ones that suffer from traumatic experiences? If so, you or your loved one might be suffering from depression. Tonight, Pastor Sadler digs into God's Word, breaking down the root causes of depression, and shows you you are not alone. We're endeavoring for the next few weeks to look at a very complex and somewhat sensitive subject of mental health from a biblical perspective. Is anybody here have family that's been directly affected by mental health issues? And, and we can go through those real quickly. Some would be anxiety, eating disorders, proclivities towards addictions, anxieties and fears and phobias to an extreme. Anybody hit anybody? Who haven't I hit yet? Okay. And then tonight is kind of the one that we always think of, but it is very hard to discuss, and that is depression. Anybody here know somebody who has struggled with depression at all? This is for you and those families tonight. Uh, I know what I'm talking about. I don't have a PhD. I don't have a degree from a major university in this subject, but I have graduated from the School of Hard Knocks in the area of mental illness. And so that was the home life I grew up in. And I did not enjoy a lot of parts of it, but I will tell you, God is able to turn everything. We say that, but we don't always believe it. But God has turned what could have been a very negative, could have made me resentful, bitter, and it's given me a heart for people and help me service and minister to people, I think, more effectively. Now, would I want to go through some of those aspects again? No, but those experiences have been invaluable. There are things you cannot learn in the classroom, in theory. So I just want you to know tonight's lesson is not coming from a theoretical point, nor is it coming from a condescending point. It's coming from compassion, sensitivity, and I believe effectiveness. I believe God's Word is going to help us tonight. Everybody say amen. I'm going to read one verse, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to kind of just move quickly along because I, I'm going to run out of time. Proverbs chapter 12, look at verse 25. And you may have a different translation of the Bible. It doesn't matter. I think the gist of the scripture is the same. The Bible says, Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. I want to kind of frame that for just a second. The heart, the Bible uses, Old Testament mostly uses the bowels. That's where they captivated the idea of emotions were in your bowels, okay? We don't care for that today, do we? Could y'all imagine getting a Valentine's card, I love you with all my bowels? Or you make my liver quiver. I mean, you know, can you imagine? I think I'm helping some people already, okay. And in the New Testament, because of the Greek influence, the organ they attributed emotions to was the heart. Now, we know the emotions come from the brain, but we understand when the Bible says the heart, we know that that's not talking about your blood pumping muscle. That's talking about the part of you that, that carries emotion. Emotion was given to us by God, and it is beneficial. Who knows that emotion can be good? Who enjoys beautiful autumnal days? 
with the cool crispness in the air and, and, a, and, a, and a hickory wood fireplace or a fire pit and the leaves are turning and that emotion that just captivates you it makes everything a little better but now what happens when emotions going against you it can pull you down and we talked last week how God created the brain you don't remember what you had for lunch three weeks ago today even though it's fact but you do remember what you wore on your wedding day or you do remember what you were eating when your father died or you do because the emotions of that day are the hanger and the details are the coat and so when you reach in the closet of your memory to pull out the details of a particular event what holds it together are the emotions that's why you have to be careful dwelling on things from your past that are negative because you will flood your mind with negative emotions. I don't know why he feels so blue today. Because you've been pondering or you've been ruminating on details of negative experience, okay? I'm just kind of framing for a minute. This verse is literally talking about how heaviness or that word from the hebrew there is where we get the word depression depression in the emotions of a man maketh him <laughs> who's ever been crippled by negative emotions some of the symptoms or signs of depression is lack of energy lack of driver ambition unable to get out of bed unable to face difficult situations unable to cope with another thing going wrong and that heaviness is crippling it holds you down now you say pastor i'm so glad this is for everybody else this doesn't relate to me it may not relate to you today but depression can touch everyone and thank the lord you may never have struggled with depression to this point and a little bit you'll see that we're all susceptible at points in our lives of being crippled by depression or one thing worse than struggling with depression yourself is to see your child or grandchild. It's very important that we have a biblical perspective on depression. Now, I'm going to kind of maybe lighten the mood for just a second, but that is, who's ever heard of a comedian named Robin Williams? Many of you know now how Robin Williams died. There's been some theory and, and other applications, but basically, at 63 years old, he took his own life. Took his own life. And maybe you're not familiar with Robin Williams, but you could go back a little older. There was another comedian named Red Skelton. Who's ever heard of Red Skelton? Freddie the Freeloader. I still laugh at those skits. And here is a guy. Both of these guys were the top of their industry. And they had won all kinds of awards and accomplishments and success. They could pick what roles or jobs they wanted. They had succeeded. Both of them literally would have to crawl out of a dark bedroom out of a bed and force themselves to get up, get dressed, put on their game face, and they would go. And what gave them purpose was showing up either to a live audience or to a TV recording or to a movie set and performing in such a way to hear your laughter or to bring you joy. They literally would leave the stage, go back, get in their car, literally drive home, go back to their bedroom, take their clothes off, and go back to the bed and be depressed. They were functioning, but they were severely depressed. Now, the reason I bring these two guys up specifically is on the surface, on the exterior, on what you're looking at, you would never dream 
people that could bring such joy could have such sorrow. That is the point I want to make today is that depression is the hidden hurt. It is the hidden hurt. We put masks on and we keep separate. We, we tend to uh, put on what I call emotional makeup. We fake a smile, we push the moment, and we're just acting. But inside, those people are really, really struggling. Now, who in here, if you hadn't already heard this before, thought, wow, I would have never thought that of them? Who, who says, man, I never would have thought, yeah. These people were known to be extremely uh, funny. But it took all their energy to get out so you may have a good experience. When you hear this, you say, wow, I had no idea. Uh, yes, it's a hidden hurt. There's feelings of, everybody say fear, darkness, loneliness, and sometimes suicidal thoughts. Now, to be honest, when you hear that, let, let's just be transparent with each other tonight. Who already have formulated your mind, but they had so much going for them. They had so much to live for. They had so much money, they had so much popularity. Do you understand that popularity and finances and success do not guarantee happiness? You heard me talk recently about the king of pop, Michael Jackson, billions of dollars and died taking fentanyl, living in a house that had mannequins all over the main floor of the house, and he would, in a hallucinated state, would carry on conversations because he was so crippled by fear and anxiety, he couldn't live the, leave home, but he didn't want to be alone, so he carried on conversations with mannequins. And you think money and career and success buys happiness? It does not. So just because you look at a person and they look all together and everything is okay and they're laughing and cracking those does not mean they are not hurting. Many times the depressed struggle with numbness. They don't really feel anything or they're in, they feel like they're in a tunnel of darkness and they see no hope. Now, this one's going to hurt a little bit, okay? And the church should be the safest place to talk about it. But too often there is an implied, you just got to trust Jesus or suck it up, buttercup. Or you've got so much to live for. You've got so much going for you. And there's also feelings of shame. Obviously, I've done something wrong because everybody else is serving God and they're, they're okay and I'm not. So I've done something wrong or a stigma. A stigma, oh, you're one of those. Or guilt because obviously I'm broken. We don't come out and say it, but oftentimes we're like, oh, yeah, suck it up. Get over it. You got so much going for it. You got so much to live for, okay? Now, let me ask a question. Who's up for a question tonight? Anybody here participating in a small group? If you're not, why aren't you? Y'all love the way I just keep beating that, okay? Can I stop and chase a small rabbit? Did I not prophesy some short weeks ago that I could see us getting banned off social media? And last weekend, we got blocked on our YouTube. We're not trying to broadcast internationally. We're just trying to facilitate people who call this their church home, and we, we, we're now down, okay? You hear me. 
the reason, another unction, the reason we have small groups is there may come a day in the not too distant future that it would be hard for us to congregate together here. You hear me? You better find a small group and get connected. Also, it's yard sale season. If you don't have a good copy of the scriptures, you better get you a good copy of the scriptures because some of you have been trusting in digital media and it is proven that if they want to delete or zap something and scrub it from the internet, they can scrub it. Now, that wasn't in my notes, but that's still, still good, good teaching. So you don't have to spend, you don't have to have the James Gorley collection of Bibles. You could just have, I promise you, 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 you can go to Goodwill for $2 and get a really nice Bible that somebody left on a pew and the church finally donated it to Goodwill, okay? So imagine you're in a small group and somebody in your small group says, oh, <clears throat> well, I've been fighting this sore throat and sinus congestion. You might suggest they maybe go to a walk-in clinic. It's not necessarily life-threatening, but it's irritating them. So, hey, you might want to go to a walk-in clinic. What if somebody in your small group says, I think I've broken a bone? Well, we're probably going to say, you need to go to the ER. So if we have a sore throat, we go to the walking clinic. If we have a broken bone, we may go to the ER. What about if we're facing bankruptcy? We might retain an attorney or hire an accountant to evaluate our financial status. But what if somebody in your small group says, I am struggling with depression? What do you tell them? Because you're, you're looking at me blank because... Have more faith, pray, trust Jesus. Jesus heals everything. You don't say it, but you're, you're like, I don't know, what, what do we say? We're being intentional tonight for a reason, okay? We're trying to evaluate depression from a biblical perspective. We read for you Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, and the New King James, it says, anxiety causes depression. To that, I want to say, duh! Who's ever had anxiety? Yeah. I never, I never knew my dad to ever, didn't sound like he was ever nervous about anything, but in his 70s, operating his barber shop, a man came in off the street and robbed him and pistol whipped him and stole his money. And that so galvanized in my dad's mind that I'm now old and frail and I'm a victim. He never said that. But a man who had never had anxiety before now has anxiety. Do you remember me telling you all ago, well, I've never had depression or anxiety. Things can happen beyond what you can see now, and you don't know what season you're going to be in. And if you wait till you're in the season to develop a plan, you're not going to make it. That's why tonight we're being intentional discussing what is a biblical approach to depression. So anxiety causes depression, but a good word, a good word makes glad. Tonight, I hope to expound to you two truths to remember when you're battling depression. Before I do that, though, we've got to look at some root causes of depression. Now, I've already given this disclaimer once. I want to make sure if, if YouTube or Facebook's channeling me or profiling me or, or running an algorithm on my words, it's not a joke. It's real. As proven by this last weekend. Okay. 
Uh, I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. Uh, I'm not even a good preacher. I have some biblical knowledge, and I have some real-life experience, and I'm trying to not stand on the authority of what Sigmund Freud said. I'm trying to stand on what the Word of God says. Who made us? God. Who inspired the Word? God. Who knows better how to lead and guide us than God? Nobody. I think this is a tremendous resource. Amen. It's living, active, powerful, able to tear down strongholds. It is a lamp and a light. It is more powerful than any nuclear bomb. It will not rust. It will not rot. It will not spoil. It is always a good thing to dwell on the word of the Lord. Now, I gave you that disclaimer. Who heard my disclaimer? I have mal... Raise your hand if you heard it. I have good malpractice insurance, by the way. The root causes of depression, there are four. Number one is biological, biological depression. That is for people who have literal chemical imbalances in their brain. Well, that sounds like a lot of drug science to me, Pastor. Well, no, it's not, because people get funny about chemical levels and talking about people having bipolar disorder, but people have imbalances in their pancreas known as their blood sugar. People have imbalances in their kidneys, which is your creatin. People have imbalances as far as proteins and other things connected to their heart. All of our organs have chemicals Okay. Who knows that your brain has endorphins? Who's glad for a, the adrenal gland that puts the chemical of adrenaline in our system for when that 27-foot-tall grizzly bear runs after you? Who's got you 22 to shoot your friend in the knee? I got hate mail on that last week. That was funny. Who's ever seen those snake kindling churches? They always talk about that snake was only 3 foot long. It was 29 foot long in my eyes. Okay. Who's glad for the adrenal gland that gives you that burst of energy to fight or flight? That adrenal gland, my little four-foot-nothing mother-in-law, I think she was, what was she, five foot tall? Five foot, barely on her, in her stiletto, she was five foot tall. And Julie's younger brother was just a kid, and he was climbing a, a set of, of chest of drawers, using them as steps, and he knocked it over himself, and he's pinned under this big, heavy, oak-style uh, dresser drawers full of clothes and that little four foot nothing woman reached over there like Hercules she's the incredible Hulk and she lifted up how did that woman do it it's the adrenal gland that chemical burst in her system gave her superhuman strength and caused it to be a benefit these chemicals have benefits and purposes in our lives now I've said that to say chemical imbalance seems like a cliched term but really People do have too much of this or not enough of that, and it creates, it messes up or skews their thinking, okay? Who's experienced chronic pain? Do you know what the suicide rate among people that experience chronic pain is? Because it's so debilitating and there seems to be no option and no hope. Okay, so because of this biological, physical manifestation of chemical imbalance, chronic pain, hormonal, we have seen numerous instances where postpartum depression is caused 
mothers of newborn. And you're thinking you're making, I'm not making fun of that. My brother-in-law, the doctor has said numerous times that the hormones in a woman's body, when she reaches a certain age and they quit producing in her body, he says there's no scientific reason why she does not go stark raving mad. Her body's now have been dependent on those chemicals since going through puberty, and now her body is not producing them. And now it's like, ah, and she's having a hard time coping. He said, it's a miracle that women keep their sanity physiologically. And the reason I'm saying that is, is that that's another biological reason why people can literally postpartum depression. These are real things, okay? Who knows that an improper diet can affect your mood, lack of exercise, blood flow, Lack of sleep. Guys, it don't take me long to go from glory to goofy when I had not enough sleep. I get giddy for a while, and then I get grumpy for another while. And I've had some experiences where I've been pulling all-night jobs before, and I've been up like 46 hours. And I don't really feel cockroaches on me or anything, but I've had, I've had when I've been up 40-plus hours, there's been times where Julie literally had to make me lay down and literally had to put her arm across me and then throw her leg across me and then threaten me because you're, you're kind of wired and it's, it's kind of hard to shut that up. I, I have that window over 40 hours, man. I get weird. Do you know you can, you can die from lack of sleep? Do you know sleep deprivation is a military tactic and they use it to extract information? It affects your thinking. Okay? It really does disorient you. So uh, exercise, lack of sleep, who knows where you get most of your vitamin D from? Some of y'all said the medicine cabinet. So if you go to work and it's dark and you're in an office with no window all day and then you go home from work and it's dark, what's your chances of getting vitamin D? <laughs> yeah, Israel, he's, he's tanking his up for the winter time. He's getting all his now. He, he may have vitamin D poisoning, okay? He's just toxic with it, okay? Do you realize a lack of vitamin D totally affects your mood? Do you realize the older you get, the less vitamin D your body absorbs? So you might need a supplement, okay? Am I boring, y'all? Okay, just making sure. I'm going to get biblical in a second. So number one of the four primary roots of depression is biological. I've already talked about chemical imbalances, chronic pain, hormonal diet, exercise, lack of sleep, lack of vitamin D, or sunlight. And then there's relational root causes of depression. Uh, problems with your kids. Who's ever lost sleep over your kids? Can't wait for them to grow up. You thought you worried when they were little. When they get old enough to drive, woo! and make grown decisions. And you're watching them drive into a brick wall, and there's nothing you can do about it, you know, but help them pick up the pieces. And so that relational thing with kids, or you're facing a life-threatening illness, yes, I know that's biologic, but the, the, the mental effect of that can create depression. How about marital issues? Anybody ever had marital issues? Besides, Julie hasn't. She Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Okay. Divorce. Listen, I have helped a, quite a few people negotiate the waters of divorce. I will tell you, I do not advocate for divorce, nor do I expect a woman to stay in a physically abusive situation. Once you make a decision, we love you, but I can't grant permission. Does that make sense? This is a decision you have to, I wouldn't tell you to buy a house. I wouldn't tell you to buy a car. There's things you have to decide for yourself. But I will tell you, 
walking people through divorce, some of them said suicide seemed like an easier option because of untangling the lives and emotions and finances, and then constantly from then on being connected in, in legal paperwork or having to go to graduations and weddings and birthday parties with somebody you're no longer married to. Imagine that effect on your, your brain and your emotions. It can, those relationships of divorce, anybody ever been rejected? Only me? I'm feeling so alone in here, okay? Uh, how about isolation from a global pandemic? Do you think that could cause depression and that affected our relationships? And then the third one is circumstantial causes. You're, if you've lost a loved one, you've gone through severe trauma, maybe you have in the, in the grips of a bankruptcy, or maybe you've retired and you lived 30 years counting down the days to retirement, and then now you're retired, now what's next? What's my purpose? Don't ever say that in front of pastor, right, Brenda? Don't ever say that in front of pastor. Don't tell pastor because he'll give you some purpose, okay? We would not want you to go through life without purpose. You will be voluntold what to, I'm just kidding, okay? And then anybody here empty nesters? You, you spent most of your adult life having, raising, some of you are praying to be empty nesters. I felt the spirit of hope, right? <laughs> anybody hoping to be empty? I'm just kidding. So Julie and I, it's not on YouTube, don't worry. Uh, Julie and I are empty nesters. I've got to tell you, she, she and I have talked about this before. When Brian got engaged, married, and moved in just about a year, now think about this, guys. It was a beautifully designed family. Two males, two females. It's the way God intended. There was a balance of power. And then all of a sudden, Brian got married and moved out of town, and it, it left me with Julie, Elizabeth, and a neutered cat. I was outnumbered. I, guys, you think I'm kidding. I'm good now. I, I don't struggle with depression, but I had some gloomy days. I was just a little bit lost. I, I didn't have my buddy. I, you know, we didn't have that quad at the take we had four chairs at the kitchen table now there's an imbalance where are we going to sit and then how do we ride in the car and if we go to a theme park who's going to be our fourth and so on i know that seems weird it's just really true and it took me about a year and finally at about the year god gave me this newfound perspective instead of it being the four of us now it's me and my girls and so instead of it being me and Brian and Julie and Beth playing against each other in board games, now it's me and my, don't you mess with my girls. Girls, where do y'all want to go? Girls, where do y'all, it became my hobby and habit. Just like, I don't remember this. It's true. I, I accepted the role of a contracted family. And then Beth got rude and moved out. Uh, you know, can I say this? What parent doesn't want their kids to succeed and grow and mature and develop? And we're excited about that. But it was much easier when, it, when Beth made this decision because I had already embraced, adjusted, and realized I've still got purpose. I'm still dad, but I'm just not dad at 6.30 in the morning until midnight. <laughs> not every night. I'm, I'm just dad when they choose to let me be. And I'm okay with that. 
So don't be afraid of being an empty nester. There's a lot of upsides. You don't have to eat chicken tenders every time you go out now. We can go to an adult restaurant. I got to tell you, we're kind of of enjoying that a little bit. But can you see how those circumstances of losing a loved one or going through trauma or bankruptcy or losing your purpose or even being an empty nester can affect your, your, I'm very honest, of all the things I've gone through in my adult life, that was a very challenging time for me. How about spiritual battles? The other three, you know, the biological, the circumstantial, the relational. But, but we don't want to dismiss there is a spiritual component. You're made of a body, biological, a soul, that's the seat of the emotions, and you are a spiritual being. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. There's wickedness, there's darkness, there's evil in our land. And the chiefdom of the evil is Satan. And he has come to do three things, to steal, kill, and destroy. And so sometimes I'm afraid the church has been guilty of making every depressional issue only spiritual. Did that sink in? That is not necessarily the case. There are biological reasons. If you lose both of your parents in 30 days, you're gonna have some emotional challenges. If you lose a child, you're gonna have some emotional struggles. That's not spiritual. It's not lack of faith. It's just real. God gave us emotions to enhance life, but when things that are not enjoyable happen, we retain things through emotion. And unfortunately, when emotions are good, they're great. And when they're against you, they can take you to low places. Now, I want to talk about the Christians are not immune to emotional attacks or even depression. Anybody want to argue that point? I have these Bible thumpers that are uh, spiritual know-it-alls that will try, well, you just don't have enough faith. You just don't read the Bible. My God, I hear you. But the Bible says that there was a prophet, and his name was Jeremiah. And do you know what he was called? The weeping prophet. Hey, my son's having a seven-year-old birthday party. Let's have the prophet Jeremiah come and speak. Why not? He's the, I thought y'all would get that right off. He's the weeping prophet. You look that word weeping up. It literally means broken emotionally. Hear this preacher today. He was known as the weeping prophet, but he was also God's man for an appointed time. But guess what that time was? He literally saw with his own eyes the destruction of Solomon's temple in 587 B.C. Do you know that that was the worship epicenter of the world for the Jews? Do you realize that where he served and heard and where the holy temple was at was now in ruins? that literally his worship center was defiled and destroyed before him. He saw family members and friends placed in shackles and deported and exiled to another country or killed. Can you say traumatic? Have you ever gone through trauma? I remember 
November the 15th of 1989. It was my dad's 50th birthday, and we're supposed to gather at my parents' house to celebrate it. He got, we had gotten him his favorite birthday cookie from the, cook, the Great American Cookie Company. Happy birthday, Dad, number 50. And Mom had made him his favorite meal. We're all going together. We've got gifts. And about 4.30 that afternoon, an EF5 tornado touched down and went through the middle of our town, killing dozens and dozens of people. It touched down a quarter mile from the business I manage. The, the, the backdraft in that storm, I'm, I'm a quarter, about half mile away from where it originally touched down. The pressure change was so great, it ripped the glass doors on the business I managed wide open. And all the ceiling tiles, they shot up and spun around. I mean, it just basically, I mean, and we we're just behind the storm. That's how intense it was. And so within just a few minutes when I made sure Julie was safe, when I made sure my, my mom and dad were safe and Brian was in a daycare, I knew he was safe. Then we went down the street, went about a half mile down the road in one of the touchdown sites where, I mean, literally, guys, and EMS was setting up with these big floodlights. People are handing us spray cans of Krylon spray paint and we're supposed to go through rubble and cars looking for bodies. I, I'm saying, where? I don't recognize where we're at. The big EMS lights are there. I see the TVA power lines laying flat on the ground. They're trying to keep us off the electricity. And I don't recognize where we're at. And then I finally saw Sister Rafaela, a little bit of plumbing sticking up out of the concrete. And then I saw some ceramic tile, and I recognized the color. We're standing on where the Captain D's had been. There was nothing left but a little bit of tile and the little plumbing stubbed up. Apartment complexes were just totally gone. Cars are sitting on top of buildings. I mean, and, and when you see people's bodies mangled like that, now, now guys, I didn't lose a loved one. Thank the Lord. Okay? And, and our town recovered. Thank the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. For a long time, the hurt of seeing lives taken and the devastation and wrapping your arm around people that that quickly lost everything they'd ever owned, it'll weigh on you. Sister Brenda, you went and visited family in Kentucky that the floodwaters over this year just destroyed everything. And I know when you came home, even though you felt like you did a good thing, it's still those visions of what you saw and the emotions, it'll weigh on you. I want you to get that. Jeremiah saw all this destruction, and I believe it impacted or weighed on him. Did I mention he was known as the weeping prophet? Did I mention that he wrote the book of Lamentations? Do you realize that the root word of Lamentations is to lament, which means to mourn or regret demonstratively? If, if you or a demonstrative worshiper, what are you? It's a very demonstrative. Y'all know who y'all are. We got some tennis clap worshipers. Yay. I'm worshiping God in my mind. I'm worshiping God in my heart. Worship has to be manifest. It can't, worship is not in the mind. You have to have action involved. To lament means they weren't just sad in their mind. Lamentations means he, his physical manifestations, his drooped shoulders, his broken countenance, the tears on his cheeks. Possibly, you, you ever wiped your 
your, your tears so much that you've got chapped skin around your eyes. I imagine him having red swollen eyes. I imagine him just being hunched over with the weight of despair of what he sees. If you have your Bibles, turn to Lamentations chapter 3. Am I, am I boring still? Is this helpful at all? I'll do something else. Okay. Now look in the very beginning. I'm, I'm going to bring this home in just a minute. I want you to look in the beginning of this book. He says in chapter 3 of Lamentations, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Talking about God's punishment upon his people for their idol worship. Verse 2, he hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely against me he has turned. Notice his feelings. He's feeling like God has abandoned him. He have turned his hand against me all the day. Verse 4, my flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. He hath built it against me and compassed me with all what? Gall and travail. He hath set me in dark places as they that be dead of old. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made me my chains heavy. Also, when I cry and shout, he what? I can't even get a prayer through. He hath enclosed my ways with what? Hewn stones. He hath made my paths crooked. He hath he was unto me as a bear lying in wait and as a lion in a secret place. He's saying like, out of nowhere, it seems like God jumped on me or neglected me or shut up the heaven from me. God has led me into darkness. He has shut down my prayers. My soul was downcast. He broke me and now I have no hope. Now here's what I want you to get. I've said everything I've said up to now to get you to these two points. The two things you need to remember. You ready? I'm going to give them to you first, and then I'm going to give them to you more fully second. Two things. Your emotions are valid. Emotions, in other words, there'd be feelings. Your feelings are valid. Who in here has ever just wanted somebody to acknowledge your feelings? That you hurt my feelings, you stepped on my feelings, you neglected. Who just wants to be heard? Just, just okay. Your emotions are valid. Number two, your situation feels hopeless. Your situation, I want you to circle that word, feels hopeless. But let's go back through them and do them more fully. Your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. Your feelings are valid, but they are not permanent. Let that sink in. Who in here... The first time you met somebody, you couldn't stand them. How many of you that the person you're thinking about was me? Okay. I'm asking, I'm very serious. Think about somebody that you met them first and you didn't like them and now you're friends. Anybody got somebody in your life like that? Julie couldn't stand me the first time she met me. But how I won her over with my wooing ways. So what you're saying is your emotions can change. Who in here has ever tried 
a restaurant the first time and you didn't like it, but you went back later and maybe you found something you did, and now that's your favorite. Who, who admits your emotions can change? Okay? I, I've had people running for office that at first I didn't like, but once I kind of got to know them or they got elected and they started implementing some, some things that I liked, hey, that's not a bad person. There's been other times I thought a person was good and then they made some decisions. I was like, I don't like them too much, okay? The point is, our emotions can change. Some of you said, I would never go to church. And look at you now. I'll never trust God. Look at you now. I'll never get baptized. Well, some of you still had me. We'll pray about that. I'll never receive the Holy Ghost. Look at you now, okay? Our emotions change. Okay. Your feelings are valid, but they're not permanent. Number two, your situation feels hopeless. But with God, there's always hope. It feels hopeless, but with God, there's always hope. Do you understand that we need to acknowledge our feelings? Who in here has ever gone through denial? Denial. Denial. Okay. Denial's a killer. It was Lot that kept denying that he had a problem living in Sodom and Gomorrah. He kept, oh, it'll be okay, it'll work out, it'll be fine, I can make it happen. Deny, 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 and guess what? It ultimately cost him his wife, then it corrupted his daughters, and then he became a, an atrocity in the lineage of God. It's not a very good representation. And so, Denial is not beneficial. I can deny that I don't have a headache, but does it mean I don't have a headache? I'm afraid the church has been guilty that denial is the same thing as faith. Did y'all get that? You can't admit that my arm's hanging by a thread. Oh, I've got faith. God's going to heal it. God also gave you a brain to go get it reattached, people. Okay? Denial is not faith. Did you get that? Faith is admitting there's a problem, but faith is that God can fix it. That's what faith, faith is not denying there's a problem. Faith is believing God for the solution to the problem. Do you understand the difference? I'm going to keep drilling until I get some amens. Okay, that's very important. Uh, I'm going to give you what's called the spider test. Who, who loves spiders in here? I thought about going to the pet store and bringing a caged tarantula in here tonight. <laughs> but I was afraid I'd lose some of you. University of Colorado did a psychological and physiological test using spiders. And they got approximately 24 people, and they subdivided them in four groups of six. And they put them in a room kind of like this, in four groups surrounding the center, and they brought a full-grown South African tarantula. Everybody say, hairy spiders. Who likes spiders? Who dislikes spiders? Now, they don't bother me near like snakes do. I don't like spiders and snakes. Ooh. You ready? And so they brought that cage spider and set it in the group groups of four, but they gave the four groups different directives for when the spider was in the middle of the room. To one group, they says, 
when you see the spider, look at it and begin to name what bothers you about the spider. Begin to call specifically what bothers you. The second group, they said, don't say anything. Just observe. Observe its movements and mannerisms. Become one with the spider. <laughs> Number three, make a series of disconnected or irrelevant comments. It's a banana. The sky is falling. Any random thought that pops in your head. Okay? And the fourth group, they said, please just stay silent. Stay silent. And so they left the spider in the cage in the middle of the room for about 30 minutes and let the time pass. And they took the spider out of the room and then everybody left. They came back the next week. Everybody got in their same group, one through four. And they had hooked everyone up to, to some biometric gauges where they could keep an eye on their heart rate, blood pressure, oxygen saturation uh, level, if they were perspiring, their breathing, if they fidgeted, all these indicators of how they are responding to the spider uh, being in their midst. They, after they had them hooked up, they brought the spider back up. Guess what happened? Those that the week before had named what bothered them about the spider, they tested very, very, very much better. In other words, very little anxiety or stress or fear about the spider. And some of those were even able to pick up the spider. I think that's what God gave us steel-toed shoes for. Killing tarantulas. I just feel it, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the relevant point to that is the other groups did very bad. In other words, their actions did not help them, but those who identified and verbalized their emotions and what was bothering them, it gave them the ability to process and cope. Can I say once again, denial of your feelings will not bring healing. It's when you... It's hard to diagnose something until we know what we're dealing with. You've got to give it a name, okay? That's why the Bible says we must confess our sins. You've got to call it out, okay? The lesson for us is do not make permanent decisions or draw permanent conclusions over temporary emotions. Hear me, your emotions change. Who's ever had a bad hair day? And I don't like hamburgers, and I hate this car, and I don't like this job, and my coworker gets on my nerves. And you, and you go home and have a good night's sleep, and you have a good supper, and you win the lottery, and then you pay your tithes, and then the next one you wake up, and everything's beautiful, right? And you love your car, and you love your coworkers, and you love hamburgers, and everything. Who admits you can have a bad hair day? Who admits you can just be emotionally raw? Nothing's necessarily happened. I'm just telling you, you got to be careful making permanent decisions over temporary emotions. Be careful who you let speak into your life because our enemy, the devil, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not have the authority to take your life. 
but he does have the ability to cause despair and depression to close in on you to where you will conclude I would be better off dead. He can't kill you, but he can get you to take your own life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Be very careful who you surround yourself with in low places. Be careful what voices you listen to. And I will tell you now, the devil is a liar. You're not better off dead. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. God's got a purpose for you to fulfill, and your life is valuable. Your li I wish I'd get an amen. Your life is precious. Okay. Now, here's, the, here's what we're going to draw from this. Are your emotions valid yes are they real yes don't deny them but don't let them rule you either i feel the holy ghost right there who knows a river is a good thing it gives you fresh drinking water and also takes away the dirty water who knows you can fish you can recreate so a river is a good thing it can be a natural barrier are you with me it can create power all sorts of things. But a river outside its banks brings total destruction. Right, Brenda? A river outside its banks, it'll wipe away 100 years of history and destroy all that people have ever worked for. And you hear me, your emotions in place are a great resource. But your emotions out of the bounds, over the top, too extreme, can be destructive to you and everybody around you, whether that's anger or depression are you are you with me gotta make sure our emotions do not rule us okay number two i said who's ever felt like there's no hope but with god there is always everybody say always not sometimes not most time but there's always hope now this is, I've been get, saying all this, Sister Tammy, just to get to this part right here. I get excited about this part. Look down. I could have kept reading in Lamentations, lamenting, mourning. Oh, the sky has fallen. But I love getting to verse 20. The Bible says, My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. Now catch verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. In the midst of everything that's going wrong, Jeremiah says this, One thing I call to my mind, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassion fell not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. When it seems like I have no hope, but when I get in him, do you remember what the writer of Psalm 73 was? Everybody's cheating and everybody's getting away with it and I'm working hard and I'm being punished and nobody knows and nobody's cared. And the Bible says, and I almost slipped. But I got in the sanctuary of the Most High God and I remembered there's a God who is faithful. How many times do we make emotional short-term decisions and create permanent problems? Who's ever responded to a temporary thing and made a permanent problem? Who's ever made your situation worse? Okay. I'm so glad that the weeping prophet, now notice there, he was God's man, but he still struggled with depression. Can I tell you, God can use anybody. They don't need your label. 
or your seal of approval. They just need to be a willing vessel. A willing vessel is not the one with the most talent or skill. A willing vessel is the one who makes themselves most available. And who is more open to being used of God than those who know they need him? The reason God can't use some of us is because we don't think we need him. When you're struggling to live through the minute or the hour or the day, you're very open to his help. And can I say this? If you're struggling with depression or anxiety or despair, it's not weakness to ask for help. It is wisdom to ask for help. Who in here is smart enough to know when you're in over your head? We got a leak on the roof. Do you think pastor's going to fix it? Who are you going to call? Because I'm over my head. Some of you get over your skis sometimes. You call pastor, don't you? And if I don't have an answer, or I don't have a word, or I don't have a direction, we're going to find you an answer. We're going to get you a word. We're going to get you a direction. Wisdom is not having all the answers. It's knowing what questions to ask. And pastor will say, did you ask this question? Did you ask that? And we're going to find out. We're going to get an answer. And when you ask for help, that's the beginning of letting God work in your situation. When you say, I can't do this by myself. Okay, Moses, when you thought you could do it by yourself, you end up killing somebody. Now that you realize you can't do it, now I can use you. You understand? In our weakness, we are strong. When you, when you struggle, and we all got a different struggle. Some of us have inferiority. Others has too much ego. What are y'all looking at me for? Hey, he who tooteth not his own horn, the same shall stay untooted, saith the Lord. That's from the book of First Philonians. If you don't believe in you, won't nobody else believe in you. I know that's not scripture. That's still pretty good. You, to do the job I'm doing, you got to have a little bit of confidence. Some of you got to, you got to encourage yourself, right? Because you, you don't get enough pat on the back sometimes. You just got to dig in there yourself. Hear this preacher tonight. Very important that we realize that, number one, your feelings are valid. Your emotions are valid, but they're not permanent. It's going to change. It's not going to rain always. It's not going to be dark forever. Your life is not over. Okay. No, number two, I know it seems hopeless, but our source is not in what we can see and what we can do. Our hope is in the Lord who is able to do some things, most things, all things. When we keep it in the parameter that it's in God's hands, guess what? Anything can happen. I want you to hear this tonight. Jeremiah said, my soul is cast down, but the goodness of God. He says, God's love is new. Now, I looked that word love up there. There's so many different, we got one word in English, love, but there's a lot of different biblical words of love, whether you're in the Hebrew and the Greek, and we know phileo, brotherly love, and we know agape, which is the Christian fellowship love, and there's euros love. But this love in the Old Testament is a word called hesit, hesit. And they try to translate this in English, and they use the word loving kindness. Now, does loving kindness really just reach out and grab you? It's kind of a misnomer. It's not, it's, there's a disconnect with loving kindness. But a better definition of hesit is an unbreakable devotion to God's promises. 
Do you know what that's saying? Even though I don't feel very saved, the word of God says I am saved. And no matter if I don't feel saved, I am devoted to his promises or yea and amen. If God said I'm free, I'm free. If God says I'm clean, I'm clean. If God says I'm delivered, I'm delivered. If God says I got the victory, even though I don't feel very victor. I wish somebody said. It's an awesome word. It means committed to the covenant of God's character. Now, who admits our emotions change? Who admits your feelings change? You say no, but I can't tell you how many times I've sat across my office desk hearing married couples say, I've fallen out of love or I fell in love with somebody else. Emotions change. I hear it all the time. I, I used to love listening to my parents you talk to them today, oh, we got the best restaurant to eat. Next time you come, we're going to take you to eat. The next time we come, are we going to your favorite restaurant? No, 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 they ain't no good no more. Now we got a new favorite restaurant. This week, this is the best restaurant. And this week is the... <laughs> Julie, am I telling the truth? Okay. Our feelings change. Our feelings our feelings about ourselves, our confidence in ourselves changes. And that's why we need to have a committed covenant relationship with God's character because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. If he was faithful yesterday, he's faithful today. If he loved you yesterday, he loves you today. Who in here needs to get reminded sometimes that his love is connected to his character. He don't fall in love and out of love. If he loves you, he loves you. If he's going to be there for you, he's there for you. You can't separate our God from his word. Now, I'm almost done. There is always hope with God. So number one, acknowledge your feelings. Then say, I need help. And then allow God to help you. Sometimes if we're struggling with depression, sometimes you do need to see a doctor because it could be biological. Other times, it's just a change of diet and exercise and sleep habits. Okay? Sometimes, and this is radical, and not everybody agrees with this, and it's okay for you to be wrong. Sometimes you need to grant some, some forgiveness Sometimes you make yourself sick because you're keeping a record and a scorecard and you've got vengeance against people and it's killing you and it ain't affecting them. Sometimes you need to forgive others and sometimes you need to forgive yourself. Sometimes you hold yourself accountable for sins that God's already forgiven you of. Okay? You might need to join a small group. You knew I'd get back there, did you? Will y'all give me one more minute? You might need to pray. You might need to pause. You might need to praise. Did I already say praise? Pray, pause, praise. We'll talk about those when I'm out of time. Sometimes you need to lift holy hands. Do you remember in the Old Testament that the children of Israel found the victory in the valley because Moses was on the mountain? And the Bible says Joshua and her, excuse me, Joshua was in the valley and Caleb and her held up the hands of Moses. If you're a Jewish soldier in the valley and you're looking at your general up on the mountain directing traffic for the battle and he's got his hands up? What are you thinking he's saying? What do you think the Edomites thought? If somebody pulls a gun on you and you do this, what are you saying? <laughs> I surrender. 
<laughs> My wallet's on the left back side. I surrender, right? Do you understand? It looks like surrender to some, but when you surrender to Jesus, you've got the victory. When they score a, a goal in soccer, I watch those Latinos run down there and they're going, Woo! They kick a last-minute field goal at the end of the Texas-Alabama game. The officials went. It didn't mean surrender. It meant victory. I feel the whole, when we lift holy hands without wrath or doubt, we surrender to God. We cry out to him. We got the victory. We got the. Because remember, not every case of depression is spiritual, but there are cases of depression that are spiritual and even biological cases of depression can affect your spirit. Okay, last thing, I'm closing. I'm closing my Bible. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He made me lie down green pastures. He restored my soul. Though I walk the valley, shall he'll fear no evil, right? Do you know sometimes what we need to do to get the victory? Sometimes we just need to preach to ourselves. Whoever talks to yourself, do you know why I talk to myself? Because I want to talk to a smart person. That's why I talk to myself. I want to be like the weeping prophet Jeremiah when he sees all this destruction. But he said, this one thing I remember, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is good to those who seek him. It's good to wait on the Lord. I look unto the hills from which cometh my help. Your feelings are valid, but they're not permanent. Sometimes we just need to preach to ourselves. Get out of this bed. God has made a day. This is the day that he's made. I will rejoice and be glad. I hope I've made some sense tonight. Promise me. Get your hand up. Promise. I'm going to be sensitive to the hidden herders, those that are hurting that nobody knows. Come on, I'm going to be a minister. I'm going to encourage. I've heard this word. I, I'm going to help them validate how they're feeling, but I'm going to let them know it's not going to be like this forever. And, and it seems hopeless, but, but God is their refuge in the midst of hopeless situations. And in God, there's always hope. Use me to be a vessel of mercy. God, use me to speak reason. God, let us know that just because we are struggling sometimes in our feelings, you are still faithful and you are greater than any feeling. The fact is we've got the victory in Jesus and tonight let us walk as children of God who are in favor with you that you've gone before us tonight that we are not defeated. God, when we feel lesser than because we struggle, with these negative feelings, let us be reminded, God, that even you in the garden had a weight on you and you, you had great drops of blood and you even questioned, let this cup pass from me. But let us have that same spirit that says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done in me. Let us be soldiers of faithfulness, we pray. And everybody say in Jesus' name, amen. You're, you're dismissed, go with God.